Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Azure podcast with your hosts, Sam Foote and Alan Armstrong. If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Office 365 focused IT security professionals. Each episode, we talk about a specific topic in this space. This week, it's episode 19 of season two. We're going to talk around Microsoft Power Platform, an application creation, automation, and dashboarding platform that enables non-developers to build and consume data within their organization. Hey, Alan, uh, how are you doing? Hey, Sam, I'm not doing too bad. How are you? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Uh, really good. Um, it's now past Halloween, so we're officially allowed to talk about Christmas. I mean, that might trigger some people and things like that. Um, how early does uh, Christmas start in, in your household? Uh, it's around it's start of December for me. Okay, yeah. So you're a semi-normal person, I suppose, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, it's, it's just amazing. I just love how um, it's like, right, even on Halloween itself, you know, like Halloween is done, right? Get that out of the way and then right bang, it's just a run up to Christmas. So yeah, it's going to be, it's it's going to be good. I think it's a good time um, that the holiday season is a good time for people to, you know, um, sort of relax, reset and then come into next year. I'm sure that's what we'll be doing. So yeah, it's going to be a fun and exciting time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, right. So this episode, we're going to talk around Power Platform. Um, Alan is going to be taking on the role of um, expert here. I'm going to fire some uh, questions into him. Power Platform is pretty chunky. There's a lot to it. I think every sort of uh, product within Power Platform, again, could be an episode on its it, by itself, and we will definitely do that and, and dive in, in deeper. But here, uh, we're really aiming to give you uh, a high-level overview of what Power Platform is, maybe some of the areas that you might want to go away and investigate and, and potentially utilize. Um, so, Alan, uh, just, just to start off with and to kick us off, can you just give us a high-level overview of what the, the Power Platform is? Yeah, sure. So the, the Microsoft Power Platform has been around, oh God, it must be like three or four years now and it's it has, it's evolved quite a lot since when it you know first came out um so power platform is uh, as it kind of states as a platform for um in building internal sort of um automation um applications and things like that when it's all like low code no code um for the majority of it so the kind of key areas within that are power apps which is around your um you're building applications. Um, you've got Power Automate, which used to be called uh, Microsoft Flow, if anyone was looking at this when it first came out. Um, you've got Power BI, and you've got uh, Virtual Agent. So the Power Platform kind of consists of sort of four areas. Um, so this kind of is, um, you know, uh, analytics, um, acting, so the Power Apps, um, automation for, with Power Automate, and then assistance with the virtual agent. Okay, so what, what, what we're sort of saying here is this is a this is a platform that you don't need to host, maintain, or, or anything like that. Is this completely uh, a Microsoft taking all of that away from you? Is that is this is is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. So, so it's a, it's a SaaS. Software as a service, service. So, 
that's um yeah you just pay for um in effect licensing to use it or um consumption and it, it kind of backs onto or alongside uh, Microsoft 365 Dynamics so not necessarily diving into the the CRM and you know full dynamics but in effect it's sort of it, it assists dynamics quite a lot but you can use it separate as well so there's a lot of data you know it's all um sort of drop down drops down onto the dataverse okay so could you could you just give us a quick primer on dataverse i think it might be quite good to understand how sort of dataverse did we do an episode on dataverse previously we haven't done one on dataverse yet have we? no we haven't we've, we've talked about it when we were doing the um the architecture architecting um serverless yeah. environments and stuff like that yeah but um right. yeah dataverse in effect is a tabled storage environment where you can build excuse me tables and uh you, you can you, you can secure it using row row based access control and i think even column based um it's it's very it's very done out you can build your tables visually and things like that so you don't have to in essence it feels like sql from a like how you can do some some parts to it but you don't have to know sql to build it you don't have to run those commands it's like a gui for it kind of thing so you can do um go on okay so so dataverse is effectively for the power platform would it be true to say that the dataverse is you know one way of um or the first party way of storing data for inside the power platform if, if that makes sense is it you know you yeah. mentioned it's sql like so what i'm thinking about that is that you've got you know tables of data relationships entities or rows within those tables with maybe specialized logic um, like you mentioned sort of row based access control and things like that is 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 dataverse really underpinning you know what uh, power platform is, is is you know the 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 sort of the the nicety and the user interface and experience on top of on top of it yeah it is a good way to store information because it's within your tenant so it's not like having another sql or another data endpoint that's outside of your tenant in effect apart from you know sharepoint onedrive things like that but it's you know it's sharepoint onedrive is great but you can't really store like the the, the you know table based you know data without it being like in you know a storage account or and things like that so yeah because traditionally if you went to a like a a structured data store like you know let's take a sql server as your sql you know whatever you know dialect of sql that you you fancy um you do need to know specialist skills in terms of you know bringing those systems online managing them optimizing them and, and things like that my assumption is um, with the intro that we had um that dataverse is more of a better user experience and more approachable way to build those data structures instead of having to go um you know to to like the effort of bringing up a sql azure instance and 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 having that specialist sql knowledge yeah absolutely yeah it's definitely um a lot you know it's quite simple and very quite flexible from the interface perspective okay yeah let's we we won't get hung up on uh, power platform but i think it's i think it was just good to just quickly skirt into that topic to to understand sort of the glue that binds all of this stuff together right you know um because it's it is a big old beast (laughs) 
power platform in a good way in a good way for sure okay so um the first item that you you talked about was um power apps so how um so so coming from a uh, a development background right where everything is built bespoke and you get uh, really expensive um um technologists to come in and build you know completely bespoke user experiences and 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 apps and and make them mobile ready and things like that um how is power apps um built and ha- how is it making it easier to 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 create um app experiences yeah so it's 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 really it, i mean from experience it's really easy i mean you know, some of the stuff that you you've built from uh, from code and things like that you know take me well i'd have to learn all of that sort of stuff so but yeah power apps is is a really good sort of drag and drop sort of interface where you can you can design your your app um it's very simplistic um you can make it quite complicated if you want to you can do some very complex or you know quite some cool things with it um i've done it in the past um but yeah you can you know with the with the interface you can um you know drop a label name it um or put you know put the the text in it and drop a text you know a, a text entry box or a drop down list and you know and then that could be populated so it's, you could build like a, a really quick form it could be you know um one of the examples that microsoft has is like a um doing your holiday request kind of form and then populating into into an excel spreadsheet or into the dataverse um but you can build like the forms and click, you know, create submit buttons and things like that. Um, and then it, you know, it can post that data anywhere in theory um, because there is a um, ecosystem of connectors and the ecosystem, you know, that those connectors are very similar to um, or in fact, practically identical to the logic app connectors that we talked about previously, because in effect, uh, that sort of part uh, logic apps kind of um, are using the same, some for some parts of the same technology um, when we talk about power automate, but, but yes, you can, you know, a, a, a standard user, a, a non-developer can easily build a form to, you know, to do a, a task or a data collection or to, to, you know, update data. Um, and with like the connectors, you know, that your data source could be an Excel spreadsheet and it could, you know, show you, you know, you could update this, you know, records in that spreadsheet by inputting data, or you could retrieve data or search that data. Um, as well as, you know, send, I guess you could get some form of automation to say, send a, this templated email to, you know, somebody internally or to, you know, to external, I guess, it's some, if you have the permissions to sort of do that. Okay, so so these, um, so I'm going to dive in a bit as we go through instead of waiting to the end, if that's okay, to, to mm-hmm. ask you a few more questions. Because I think because some of these topics for Power Platform are so different, I think it's good to cover them off sort of as we go, if, if that makes sense. Normally yeah, we do a wrap sense. up at the end. But um, so... So, so what you're what you're saying, so what you're saying to me is, is you're saying that the I'll call it the interface builder of Power Apps is really approachable for people that aren't, you know, uh, professional developers. You know, let's say, right? I I I use it. I use the example that you've got a an operations team which needs somebody to fill out a form. I mean, forms aren't a great 
one because there are tooling within Microsoft's ecosystem to do forms, right? But we'll use that example, right? So let's say I need um, a system to be able to like capture a form. Maybe somebody's got to fill out a form as part of their job role every week, let's say, right? Now, forget about jogging their memory. We'll, we can talk about that in the, the future I, later, I suppose. But in terms of when that user then is presented the form, I can effectively drag and drop components onto there for different things that I want to capture. So for instance, I might want to capture, um, I'm, you could probably infer it automatically, but I might want to capture their name. I might want to capture their job role. I might want to capture some bespoke information for that like event. I've got the ability to structure my app, I assume, in whatever way you know, I see, I see fit and yeah, go on. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And probably maybe another example, cause you're right. There are forms out, you know, there is Microsoft forms that can kind of, kind of do that, but say um, you had an Excel spreadsheet of jobs that, you know, someone manually updated and they needed assigning to people. You could pull that data into the power app and then you could see the list and then you could say, assign that to me, or this is my next job or I've completed that job, et cetera. And then, and then it would update the spreadsheet. So you can you can do that. And it's probably worth mentioning that uh, these are like applications that can sit in Teams, can sit in you know web browser, but also you can build them for mobiles. So you, all you do is for a mobile is you install the Power App um, application from the store, sign in with your Microsoft account, your corporate account, and then you'll see your applications. And providing that you've, chosen like a, a phone like um, canvas then it will show up on there and then you can do everything on there so you've got you know it's it, you, know, you can use it anywhere in effect then so so you're not also you're not also helping me to build these app experiences easily and efficiently you know without having to use uh maybe because 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 if you're a if you're a process owner inside of an organization right and you want to wait automate some maybe even bridge gap between, you know, different processes, you know, like you might have, like you've just said, like you might, you might get an Excel dump from uh, an ERP system, which has got a bunch of jobs that need to be done the next day, or, you know, I've got to pick a bunch. I don't know what the, it's, you know, I'm just mm-hmm. trying to think of some really simple examples. Like I get a bunch of jobs exported from some sort of system and now I need to go and tell X, Y, and Z, you know, who should do what. Right. And maybe like you say, you know, that's a, csv file or something that dumps down you read that into your power app and then it shows you you log into that every morning and it shows you okay you've got job one two three four five and then you could theoretically go okay job one i want to click that and i want to assign it to somebody and i want a special action to then happen to go in like assign it to them or maybe just ping them an email or a team's message or whatever you know i'm making a really simplified example but i think what's really interesting about that i've got i've got two points this is this is the first uh the first one is that being able to automate like that in a, a an easy to automate way is very empowering to those teams, isn't it? Right. No reliance on IT. And I'll ask you about that probably towards the end, because that's a bit of a trickier um, subject. No reliance on IT, no reliance on your, say, whatever you call your development team like maybe you call it your is department or your development department or anything like that right rapidly deploy and talking about deployment which is going to be my second point is that they're giving you an ecosystem in which to build but also to distribute your applications with inside your organization right because 
you know, I can't as a as a um in a previous life being a developer, I can't like state like the importance or the complexity in distribution. You know, if you say I want to build a native Apple and Android experience, right? You're talking about building two, maybe one application that's then built onto multiple platforms and then sending that to app stores to be to be reviewed and to be you know published and all of those manner of things tens if not hundreds of thousands of pounds to build all those things and all of those things are important in certain places but what you're saying to me is is i can i can automate part of my process i can push that out to my team i'll use the words i'll use the word rapidly and i'm using air quotes nobody can see that because i'm on a (laughs) podcast but i am doing that rapidly so i can i can i can i can make my you know my business processes more efficient and I've got an ecosystem to deploy uh, rapidly. That seems very powerful considering, you know, um, like I think what you said is if you stick to standard controls and you don't want to go too crazy. And I mean, like, you know, more than, you know, building custom controls and things like that, which I assume you can do. Um, I've got I've got a lot of power there in terms of what I can actually accomplish, like kind of by myself, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And the good thing about it is it's very easy to prototype things. So you don't have to make them look pretty and things. You know, generally when I build them, it's like I build them, I functionally get them working to prove the concept out. And then I give it to uh, like my, our head of head of department, or I see if uh, marketing or something wants to then jazz, jazz, do it up, um, yeah. you know, put branding on it or check, you know, make, we've got the right colors and things like that. So it's very easy to get something working and very easy to understand. Oh, okay. No, I can't do it. Or it's going to be a bit complicated. So let's just pause and think about something else. Yeah. But, where... but, the, yeah, but these apps could always never see the light of day to most people, right? They could be, you know, automations and um, efficiency drivers, you know, like, like that example where I get a list of jobs that gets dumped on my, mm-hmm. you know, in my email once a day, I'm going to load them into a power app and then I'm going to redistribute them out. The output to the end users are maybe emails that I've constructed or something like that. Um, it doesn't really matter what it looks like, I suppose, right? In that no. scenario, you know. So, so actually, you know, it's it's to- totally flexible for what you what you want to achieve, I suppose. Yeah. And and that's that's quite true, actually, in that the the application or the the solution that you're building can be for you individually to help you in your day to day to do that distribution because you know no one else is going to use it. You can do it for a team. You can do it for a bigger department or an area, or it could be company wide. Yeah, it, it it is. It doesn't matter because there is no, there is no. If you've got the licensing for it, there is no real sort of. You're paying for it, so use it, sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. No, one hundred percent. Okay, so power apps, easy to build, easy to distribute, line of business applications. Sounds sweet. Um, you, you, you also talked about power automate, um, what, what is power automate? How, how is that, um, working in the mix of power platform and what's it, what's it, what's it attempting to achieve? So power, so power automate is in effect similar to, or equivalent to logic apps in the Azure IaaS or PaaS, I should say environment, but you, you potentially pay per run rather than per task or if it's depending on what license you get, you have X amount of runs per month kind of thing. So you don't 
really it doesn't matter how big it is or how small it is you have to have that worry about how many tasks you have in your your, your automation where with logic apps whilst it's whilst it's for well not free whilst it's really cheap per action if you're doing like for each loops and you're running it you know, for, for 100 times and that obviously that sort of count increases quite quite a lot so you've got to be lenient or more understanding about how you how you develop it but and of course you have to have you know you have to have access to azure and everything like where this is like you know an area where you can't sort of break out too much from it because it's only based on the connectors you have so so it's it's all around automation it is very good at doing uh, automation around office 365 and exchange and teams and things like that it's all built you know for office mainly there are connectors to go out to other serve third party services like um like the um logic apps but the idea is is in the context of the the user mainly so it's all like it, my access to data and you know, moving that stuff around rather than logic apps being a service principle or a manager identity doing work sort of thing so it's great in that you know within like a power app you can trigger a flow what no an auto yeah it's still a cloud flow um so you can still like trigger that to go and get some data so that could be your mechanism for going pulling that data from the excel spreadsheet and then put in the format you need and then bringing it into your into your power app or going off and sending those emails or a team's message etc you know there's loads of things that you can do um one thing around it is that within office 365 you can do trigger the triggers for it which can be like reoccurring or when when a power app button is pressed yeah so within power automate it might be that you can um pull um that data from you know when there's a new um request for a you know approval of a document it might be that it, it you know enters the sharepoint site and then that gets triggered you know that triggers a logic app not a logic app sorry a a power automate flow um which then can then go through and you know maybe check the data or um create an approval process which then goes off to you know the manager or the 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 data protection officer maybe if it's something you know sensitive um to be approved um and if it gets approved then it can be moved into another folder or if it gets rejected then you can you've kind of got that tracking so you can do okay, things so, like that yeah so so if if power apps is allowing us to do things like um a user interface maybe data collection and and things like that um power automate is really the event system is where we can sort of add like life cycle to our app right we could we could create a trigger from some sort of data store like you use the example of a a document being um dropped into a sharepoint and then creating like an approval flow or you know um a, a document you know, like we'll just use our simple example of our job tasks being dropped into, let's say they get dropped into a SharePoint site or a folder in OneDrive or, or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. You could then in Power Automate, you could say, okay, every time I see a new, every time a new document is added to that SharePoint site, send me an email to let me know that it's been done. So, you know, when I, when I arrive at work the next morning, I know whether my export is actually, because maybe the export's a bit dodgy. Maybe sometimes it doesn't run mm -hmm. and then that adds a lot of confusion for me, right? Or it, it comes in between any time between 6 and 8 a.m. in the morning, so I don't actually know when to start focusing on it, right? Um, or like you said, when um, when I, I've, I've looked through my list of jobs and I want to... So I want to assign a job to, say, Alan, for, for example. 
and I click on that button to say, you know, a drop down of all my people. I'm going to sign this to Alan and I click a button. At that point, I can trigger a flow to then, and that flow is running in the context of me, the user, right? Like you said, it's not for um, running as like a uh, a managed identity or a service principle, you know, like a, a machine, a machine identity, right? Um, and then as you, and because it's you and it's it knows who you are and it's got that context and it's got that deep integration with Office 365, you can say things like, send an email from on behalf of me to Alan telling him what job that he, you know that he has to do today you know that sort of thing you you know uh, flow is how you essentially get like a programming logic into your power apps right because power apps doesn't have that it, it's more of the user interface than it is the processing engine for driving these experiences right yeah absolutely and Another example um, is that using a third-party sort of connector, like say you wanted to collect all of the every time you get mentioned in in a Twitter, you know, in a Twitter you know, message, yeah, you can if you've got you know, your your account and you sign in with your connector, you'll be able to see all those like mentions. When I get mentioned, then do something. It could be put into a spreadsheet, send me an email so that I don't have to keep you know don't have to keep looking at Twitter. I know there's. You know, I know there's tools out there that can manage, you know, manage Twitter and things like that. But this is, you know, if you don't have them kind of thing, you can use, you know, Power Automate to sort of help with some of that. Okay, so it's not just limited to Microsoft technology. We've got other SaaS platforms that have got connectors and other, you know, um, software systems and things like that, that we can we can pull and trigger from and, and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Some of them, you know, you could have something from like... Um, Salesforce, you know, when a new opportunity comes in, that as simple as that, and that sends you an email. I know Salesforce can do that sort of stuff. You might want to put some context into it, or you might want to do so. You might just want it to be a Teams message rather than an email sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah, and you, you, you might have um, that, you know, like maybe when a new opportunity comes into Salesforce, Salesforce handles like um, notifying, you know. Um, notifying the the correct salesperson for that account or you know whatever is you know the sales logic that's happening there but then if you have you know more ops sort of um you know uh, processes that need to feed off of that maybe actually what happens is is there's a um um there's you know a, um i don't know you got a sales committee in you know <laughs> that, that track all of those opportunities to make sure they're not they're not missed you know because they could get assigned to somebody that person might be on holiday for two or three weeks and and somebody else gets notified like maybe you know maybe a team of people get notified and and so it put, gets put into like request tracking your side i mean that can probably be done in salesforce i'm not saying that it, it can't but but you might have your own in uh, customized business processes that you want to you want to build around your tooling maybe so there's some gaps or you've got some some niche requirements that aren't filled by your you know your SaaS vendor this allows you to fill those gaps without paying for a custom development team to either build in-house which is going to cost you ugh, hundreds of thousands if not millions of pounds a year or find an outsourced partner that's got all of these different skill sets that can wire these things together right yeah, it also means that uh, you're right that, f as the example of Salesforce, you might be able to do it, but you might have to learn how you build that logic in that app, and then another app might be slightly different. This is like a single platform that you might understand to be able to do some of that. So it's just, it, 
it's it's a helping tool that you know if you don't know if you because there's the other thing of you might not have permission to do that logic per se as a as an individual and you want to bring it in for you or, or for your team sort of thing so there's that as yeah well. so so you might have um you might have permission to say read or con- you know to read or consume but you might not have like yeah like automation power in that SaaS app it might not even exist right you know or yeah. if it does exist you might not have access to it you might not have licensed it so this is a way to add yeah process and automation you know potentially from other systems right and there is a you know from from what i not what i know and you could probably give a bit more context but there is a large connector library right there is there's a huge amount of different yeah. do, do you know roughly the sort of size of that, e- that connector ecosystem is it thousands? No. I, I assume it's... Yeah, there's, there, there, it's, is, I, there is loads in there. I don't know what the, the numbers are. The numbers um, are, but but we're talking a lot. Like, not just, you know, this this isn't this isn't just a new ecosystem that has, like, less than 100 connectors. We're talking about thousands of connectors that other people are building and, and implementing, right? Yeah, and, and depending on... I mean, we'll talk about sort of the licensing perspective, but you can also build custom connectors. Um. I've done, I've tried, I've tried, I've done a few of them very lightly, but um, haven't really used, I haven't had the need to use them, but it might be if you've got a custom system, like, you know, where those, those jobs are, that actually you can pull it directly. And, and there's an auto, the automation is power automate to do your export. Yeah. And maybe, maybe we're jumping ahead a little bit here, but is this coming back to the sort of same theme that we talked about in episode 13 around architecting serverless applications? Right, where we're we're saying that there, even though there is a very, I call it simplistic user experience and a you know a, a low, I call it a low barrier to entry in in these systems, there are still opportunities to to build custom connectors and custom experiences if you do have that that resource in house, right? You know, if you mm-hmm. do happen to have a team that can build Dynamics connectors, uh, no, sorry. Uh, power platform connectors or you know or whatever they're called um you you can do that if you want to right you can build custom controls for power apps and and everything in between right yeah absolutely and and also you're right i think i don't know if you were kind of coming back to that in that you know within power platform you can trigger a logic app because it's just a http request with data or a function app if you need to do that more complex stuff or to do you know, really custom stuff so it's not you're not tied to this this platform you know everything is here that's all you can do you can pull out to those other technologies or services so yeah because i assume the only way that power platform really is um accessible to a lot of different people is if there is interoperability between different systems right you know you know it has to be able to collaborate because it can't build all of the functionality in its ecosystem right it would be too it would be too complex to learn and to 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 understand and onboard and that's not the point the point is like here's the building blocks if you do want to get fancy and like call out to a function (laughs) app and do a bunch of processing you know you can do that if you want to or you can if you do want to simply fill gaps then you can do that in a, a rapid sort of way yeah, absolutely. And um, so we've kind of been talking about cloud flows here, but there is another section, which I've not really, I've I dived into when it came out first, but I've not used it for a while. So it's probably improved you know, quite a lot, but it's, um, it's desktop flows. And this is um, robotic processing um, uh, automation. So RPA, 
So this is actually on, running on a machine and you know doing you know moving around a screening, doing you know, logging into an, a website or doing stuff on a, on actual machine. So there is sort of two modes: there's like attended and unattended. So um, one way you're actually on the machine and it does stuff, or versus you know it's it's a process in the background. So that that kind of opens up again the ability that if there isn't any APIs or you can't create a custom connector and you just need to go into a website and you tick a button and download a file, then potentially you could do that or fill out a form that isn't, you know, part of your systems. Got it. So, so, so even if they can't be web experiences, you've got like a, some sort of desktop application that you do want to, you know, automate in some fashion. Right. Um, then you, you've also got the ability to not do cloud flows, but actually on desktop and on machine and, and hooked into that. I haven't I haven't actually seen seen that before. I'm going to have a real uh, look at that because that looks yeah, really powerful. In, in essence, what you do is um, when you create one, you go on the machine you want to do it on and you can, in effect, press record. And then you start you know pressing on the screen and going through the different forms and it captures it and you can go through the, the steps it's chosen and make sure they're all correct kind of thing. And then, you save it and then it can like you know, re redo it sort of thing. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting because it really reminds me of my like cloud and app testing days where we have things like, um, like Selenium and, and other like um, app based ones, because we, we used to really struggle with like automating um, like mobile app testing because there's no real like hook, right? You know, there's mm. the screen is like touch. You would have to have like a robot press the screen <laughs> sort of thing. Right. Um, and, but the web has always been like uh, really well, you can hook into, you know, web experiences really easily because you've got the DOM and you've got like, you know, the web browser. So it'd be really interesting to see how it hooks into like different applications that maybe aren't designed for like automation, if that makes sense. Mm. I assume like things like all the Microsoft apps, like just work, I assume, right. I'm guessing that their ecosystem is like, you know, uh, recorderable or is it just, is it just simply a case of, you know, it's just doing X and Y click, you know, and then it's waiting five seconds and X and Y click, you know, you know, like, I, I don't know. It'd be really interesting to see, how they've um, actually approached that challenge. Yeah, I can't I can't remember what it was like before. I think it was I can't remember what it was. I think it was like um maybe I think they might have like bought a product um in or acquired a product to basically bring it in. To help with that. Yeah. Um because I yeah. think at the time it was branded, you know, branded with the, the previous company sort of thing. But um yeah, yeah I've I've not used it for like a couple of years. So I I, yeah. I had a look at it when it first came out. So No, I'm definitely putting it up my list and we'll definitely <laughs> do an episode about that in the future because that sounds that sounds awesome. Okay. Um uh, so one of the other areas that you talked about was um Power BI. Um so can you just give us a, a, a an overview of what Power BI is and, and what it's trying to achieve? Yeah, so Power BI is a visualization and analytics tool. So it allows you to as as I kind of said, visualize your data and you you can manipulate the data. And this can be, again, this can be from a CSV, a Excel spreadsheet, um, uh, the dataverse or a SQL database, whatever it might be. Um, you can connect to those data sources and then you'll see the tables or it will you know, represent tables. And then you can, you know, then you can do, um, you know, in effect, build your um, your queries on it. I can't remember what type. It's like um, I can't remember the query language. Power, that it power does. query. Yeah, power, well, yeah, okay, power, power query then. So yeah, power query. Uh, yeah. 
So um, yeah, you can you can do that. So you can create you know calculated fields and and things like that. But again, it's really simple to generate these reports and dashboards. So you can um, yeah, you, it is in a, in essence again you can drag and drop like different um, charts or tables and then choose your data and then decide how you want to you know what color you want it to be and you can also get um external um uh controls can't you sam i think it is isn't it and yeah. stuff in the color you know make, making the colors a bit better and things like that but uh, you can do that for um from like the licensing perspective if you if you just had power bi which is part of like the office 365 e3 um you can just do that for yourself you can just build dashboards for yourself but if you want to share it within you know internally um then it is a, you know it is a pro license at that point um but generally it's really easy to start getting that data visualized and we see a lot of um whilst it is just sort of we're talking about it within the power platform environment you can have um within azure um you can host your own um power bi embedded service where you can in effect build your reports and put them up there for for consumption um, I've not done too much with that. I think you've done a little bit with that, Sam, haven't you? Or at least test, done some testing with it. Yeah, probably embedded. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that is in, you know in essence it, what it is. You know, it's showing that those reports, things like that, and you can build you can build reports with different like um, uh, different metrics um, in the report itself. But then you can build a dashboard which then has you know different metrics from different pages. So you might have a you might have a report for everyone consumed, but they might have that, that high level view or this department's view, et cetera. So you don't have to worry about giving them the full access to the report and that. So. Yeah. I mean, um, what, where I've seen um, Power BI really work is um, finance teams absolutely love Power BI because what finance teams generally tend to have is like a bunch of Excel spreadsheets. You know, they might have like an export from, you know, maybe their ERP system or, or something like that. And then they traditionally would just munge it together with like Excel charts and and stuff like Pivot that. Pivot tables right? and... But yeah, uh, yeah, it would just be crazy. Um, and what, what Power BI... It's somebody, years ago, somebody described Power BI as the... Um, it's like PowerPoint for data. And I think that's a really good like um, uh, like sort of mashup of, of thoughts, right? Where effectively you have your... Um, you can bring in things like Excel spreadsheets, which people like understand. I'll call them like normal people understand those. Um, and then you can effectively visualize that data and you, you can, you can transform it. You can slice it. You can do all these, like Alan said, you can do power query and you can get all really advanced like you can do with everything else. But what is great is where you can, you know, ingest maybe multiple Excel spreadsheets combine their outputs together and i would say relatively simply i mean it depends on your data set but you can really get some really good looking and i mean when we're talking about really good looking right you know designers would shout at me about like this looking good <laughs> but in the benchmark of you know the the enterprise you know some of these things do look absolutely amazing you know for what um for the amount of money it costs and the amount of effort that is involved in at least becoming dangerous with Power BI, you can you can really start to get some really good, um, you know, great experiences out of it. So, yeah, again, Power BI is, 
a beast anyway there's many ways to to run it to consume it to use it you know all, all of those different things but um i think yeah power bi is another a really powerful part of the power platform you know because because at, at the end of the day these experiences are are um consumed by people and people love you know visual experiences right you know who wants to look at an excel spreadsheet with some tables in it and then like five tabs with maybe some you know some crummy charts at the end of it or you could browse through a lovely power bi dashboard you know that's got you know maybe a bit of gucci animation branded on you know uh, colors um i used to work for a company who um used to do quite a lot of power bi and um we would what we would do is we would um design out the power bi dashboards and then we would give it to our designer in the power bi desktop application um and um our designer would absolutely hate it because <laughs> there was there was there wasn't enough control as they said um and the customized customized you know customization uh, we also fired back with if we wanted to build our own custom controls it would cost us an absolute fortune so we didn't end up doing that um but what they what they were able to produce with even the I'll call it limited customization that's built in out of the box was quite frankly, ridiculously impressive, right? It's more the, you know, their, their input to it. So I have seen some very, very, very um, good looking power BI dashboards with um, very little like technical uh, input. If, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I, th- I think that sort of hits it on the net, the nail on the head in effect, doesn't it? That it, it it's when you start going into it, it is very easy to get that data visualized and you don't need to, you don't need to know how to you know, be an, an, you know, an analyst of data, you know, a, a data analyst per se, you know, obviously if you have those skills, then you know, you'll be able to do this, some of this stuff quite quickly, but in general, you know, anybody can look at it and go, well, I want to see, you know, what's the top 10 sales this month from this you know, report. And it's quite easy to sort of get that data. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and most of the time visualization of data is that simple in the organization, right? It's not like, you know, really Gucci different interfaces and this and that, you know, it's, it's actually just, um, they, they've, they've done all the hard work of understanding, you know, their data models internally and they just, they, they, they need an output and they need a way to distribute it. Right. Like we, like we heard about with power apps, you know, power BI embeddable pretty much anywhere. Right. Well, what I was going to say as well is you can actually embed the Power BI report slash dashboards into your Power Apps. So yeah, you can, exactly. <laughs> so and then embed it. those into Teams, like embedding yeah. the embedception. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's it. And and I think I think let, let's just talk about that point just for a second because I think that's important for people to understand is how closely linked these products are and how their integration is right because. You know, we've we have just joked, you know, flippantly about that there, but that is very powerful, you know, to be able to bring in BI into an app where you could then be making decisions and then have that whole experience served up to somebody, you know, effectively in their team's, you know, uh, uh, client and or on their uh, on their mobile device. What in fact, it can work the other way in that you can embed a power app into Power BI. So it could be like a three the whole 360 like scenario there but in effect when you select some data the at the you know the 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 values can then be brought into that power app so it could be like if you like that report we we're talking about you know how what jobs are coming up you could select one of those jobs and then click 
you know, a user and then submit it and it would go off and update the backend data, but also go and send that email and just create like a simple, like button, you know, uh, make the, make the dashboard more than just a, a dashboard being able to actually do actions from it, you know, run flows and things like that from it all. Yeah. Cloud yeah. flows. Exactly. Okay, and the last bit that I think you talked about was virtual agents. That's not something I've ever really had um, any exposure to. So, Alan, uh, what are virtual agents? So I've not really had much exposure to it either. But in in essence, it's building um, chatbots or virtual agents. So this is baked into um, the power, you know, the power platform kind of side of things. So you could be something in Teams. But also it can go on to other like services like um, Facebook or um, I'm thinking of some other ones. Maybe maybe it is it now can do like WhatsApp and things like that, where you can have like a, a, a conversation or going through the, the FAQs or the support side of things. Um, so it's all sort of, you know, powered by you know AI. Um, it's it all kind of backs onto um, the Azure bot framework, which I have done some stuff in the past with. So you can build your your logic um i mean at the time that when i was doing it, it was all code but this is an effect showing it visually so being able to say well when you know when the chat starts then send this message saying you know hi um this is itc secure um as an example um what you know how can we help you today um and then the response that comes back from that you can then get it to go and do some query and get some data maybe your faq um or Maybe, you know, what do you want to do? Is it like, you know, submit a support ticket? And then when you do that, it asks you for all that information, you know, do that data gathering. Um, and then it could submit it to a Power Automate. And then it goes off and, you know, puts it into the ticketing system, etc. So, like I said, I've not had much exposure to it, but that's the kind of things that you can do. And oh, yeah, and like I said, it can be in Teams. Okay, so uh, so bot driven, even you know, conversationally driven um, lo- flows of logic can happen there with you know maybe more complex decision trees as well. Because we have talked about, it was right, we have to had a thing about bot framework in cognitive services before, haven't we? Have we talked uh, about that? On the podcast? Don't we haven't this season? Maybe we did last season. Yeah, oh, we'd have but, to maybe. Check, but, but yeah. if you've never used bot framework before. It is definitely not. It is. It is well for what it's doing. It is very, very, very effective in what it does and very easy to use. But there is a barrier to entry in terms of building those experiences. Right? You you do have to. There there is a builder, but this is this is taking it to the you know uh, lowering that barrier to entry even more. If 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 I'm hearing this right, you know it's like the the, the SaaS version of that pass bot framework you know um the functionality yeah that's that's what i believe i mean like i said i haven't really been able to use it cause, you know the licensing is that you know you have to buy so many sessions sort of thing so you have to like commit to to using it kind of thing there is some trials but by the time yeah. you've got you know by, by the time you've got some time to sort of look into it the trials ended sort of thing for us anyway yeah yeah <laughs> okay so let's um so you just led me on a great segue to our next section actually there about cost because i <laughs> think this is quite complicated so yeah alan um how much does it cost you know is this going to cost me an arm and a leg am i going to get good return on investment on this how, how do i work this out okay so within office 365 
three and some of the other skews i haven't like i haven't researched all of them you do get a level of power ups and power automate and this is like i think the license is power automate and power apps for office 365 so this means that you can use most of the, well in effect all of the office 365 connectors um, but you can't use any of the premium connectors now we didn't really talk about the connectors and their differences but premium connectors are in effect like the third party ones really and the bit the a few more that go into like azure and and things like that, h2e requests so when you're doing more complex things then you have to you know in effect you're paying for that extra functionality is that so, effectively every time any time you leave office 365 not microsoft but office 365 yes as as well as dataverse because dataverse is kind of sort of based on dynamic so dataverse really. isn't premium you're saying yeah it's premium seems- yes it is premium. Data versus yes. premium. Okay, fine. Right. Yeah. So it is all about the data in Office and things like that. Okay. So yeah. that that covers Power Apps and and Power Automate from the connector perspective. Can I just um, ask you another quick question about that? Because yep. I, I suppose if we're talking about just data and items inside of Office 365, presumably you're already paying for an Office 365 license, aren't you? To to yes. to store data in your OneDrive to you know, to send emails and to do all of those things, you're effectively just automating those actions that you would have potentially taken manually. Whereas what you're saying is if you want to go to a separate system, um, even, you know, even Dataverse, um, that is outside the scope of any any current licensing you would have, right? So it makes sense that it would be a premium at that point. Yeah, absolutely. And, And as kind of the license sort of details, it's for Office 365. So it is kind of pushing you that way. But okay. there is a lot, there is absolutely tons you can do with that license okay. that you probably yeah. already got. Um, so if you want to use the premium connectors, and that includes Dataverse, um, it is, uh, there's two ways, there's three ways of doing it. One is per user. So per user means that that user can run as many apps as they want and consume as many you know premium connectors as they want. And that is twenty twenty dollars. I'm doing it in dollars because that's what Microsoft are sort of they always show us. The is that the, twenty dollars per month? Yeah, twenty dollars per month. Yeah, per user. Yeah. And at the moment, I think if I got this right, there's a potentially a forty percent discount if you're over two thousand plus licenses. But you have to contact the the sales support. I have I. I have to look at like we have to look at licenses before these you know before these because there's always a change so we can never like yeah, predict it's what it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> so so that, the bill's that's either going to be on. absolutely massive or it's going to be tiny. It's, <laughs> yeah. like, it's, it's never in between. Uh, with, with so, this, yeah. so yes, there is potentially a discount there. So if you are if you have got more than two thousand you know users or licenses, then maybe check that out. Um, the other way of doing it is per user per app. So if there's like a corporate app that it's got a load of automation in it. Maybe you've built an app that does multiple things. So it's not just like doing one thing. You've built like a, yeah, the, the app's got multiple pages that do multiple things. So that, you know, you, it's a quite a massive, you know, big app sort of thing. Um, you pay per user per app, and that is $5 per month per user. So, and if a user uses two apps, then you've got to, you know, use it, you know, pay twice. In effect, you got to give them. In effect, they in effect get two licenses. I don't know how you actually assign that, but that's how it that's how it's envisioned to work. So 
in effect, if you got if you got users using four apps, then you jump to the you know to the twenty dollars. Yeah, if so you're you if you but but if you're if your if your um organization just like wasn't making like bespoke apps for you know specific people and they just had like say one app and like ten people used it, then you wouldn't license those ten people for like full power apps, would you? You'd just charge you just license them at five dollars yeah. each per month. Yeah. Yep. And that is if the you know, you're you're breaking out of those areas and it's premium apps at that point. Got if it. you're using That's Office three six five, you can build as many as you want and, and things like that. Excuse okay. me. Um, okay, and there is another way. Um, so you can attach your subscription or your Power Platform to an Azure subscription, and you can pay as you go. So you can basically it comes out of consumption rather than you know, subscription, and this is ten dollars per active user per app per month. So I think this is being more. It's a little bit more expensive per, because obviously the five dollars per user per app is that you got a, you you might buy a twelve months contract or you got to keep it for ninety days, haven't you? Yeah. Sort of thing. This is if you know if the user has used an app or two apps and you get charged for that. So it's then there's pros and cons to it, isn't it? Because if you know if you've got an app that you know maybe you've got a hundred users and you know maybe each user maybe only use it like once or twice over six months then that's only like you know five you know ten or twenty dollars over you know total not per month yeah it, yeah, yeah i think I there's, what, I there's some lot yeah. of calculations with that yeah. but let's say you had a premium app that was only used one month of every year like maybe maybe you had an app that was only used at year end for finance I don't know. I mean, you're just trying to yeah. think of some some example of like, that everyone had example. to use. Yeah, all the finance team had to use it, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say your finance team's like twenty people, right? You could then just pay two hundred dollars for that one month, couldn't you? For the ten dollars, mm-hmm. you know, let's say you just have one app, and then instead of paying, um, yeah, so instead of paying twenty lots of five dollars every month, which would be a hundred dollars a month for the whole of the year. Right, because you would only pay two hundred dollars instead of like if it was two hundred dollars a month, then well, a hundred dollars a month, you'd pay twelve hundred dollars a year, wouldn't you? So you, yeah, well, you'd, that is you'd a have huge to keep saving. it. For, yeah, you'd have to, you know, based on the Microsoft license, you'd have to keep it for three months minimum. Exactly. Yeah. Before beforehand, yeah. or you might and, buy the and also the manage all of that, right? Like yeah. You'd have to like turn the licenses on, then turn them off, and not forget to turn them off, and all of those different things, right? Whereas this is like. If we detect that somebody has used an app, put you know in, in that month, then we're going to charge you ten dollars. Yeah, yeah. So it's pros and cons to it. So, but yeah, that's the Power Apps licensing. Um, Power Automate, uh, similar thing. So fifteen dollars per user to use CloudFlows and. Generally, if you've got Power Apps licensing, you generally get Power Automate Premium as well. Just, just for, for as far as I'm aware, that's what happens because you can't, you know, Power Apps needs flows to to do the extra okay. functionality sort of thing. Right. So, so you generally get that. So, so if you're just using automation, you don't need an interface, then it's fifteen dollars per user um, per month to use Cloud Flows. Um, unlimited flows unlimited runs yes yep okay 
if you're using RPA, so desktop flows, and they're in attended mode, which I guess it just means that you're there on the screen or you're you're actively using that that machine. Um, it is forty dollars per user, but I'm guessing it's because there's a lot more technology doing stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So there's that, um, and then you've got the the pay as you go version, and this is sixty cents per flow run. So maybe you only run something with premium connectors once a month, maybe end of month runs instead of paying for, you know, uh, X users to have access to it, to run it. You only pay 60 cent for that one run or maybe two runs for desktop flows. So RPA again on the attend in the attended mode, it is 60 cents per run. So that might work out cheaper again. It depends than the $40 attended you got, I guess you got to kind of work it out if you, how many times you're running that process. Yeah. It's 60 cents a pop. That's quite a lot of runs to hit $40, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Again, if you're only doing it once, twice a month or whatever, then it's yeah. worth doing. Um, the other one is if you're doing unattended mode for desktop flow. So I'm guessing this is, you know, might be running on a server somewhere. No one's logged in. It just goes off and in effect logs in and does that process then it's $3 per run. Wow, okay. Right, so to not have the person sitting there in attended mode, they're going to charge you an extra $2.40 for that privilege. I yeah, I, I guess there's some some part of that where it's got to log onto the machine and there's a bit, there's obviously a bit more to it than, than that. And obviously you're not paying for someone to be sat there, I guess. So there's so, a lot of more so, benefit. So is there no monthly flat monthly cost for unattended mode? Because I think you said that no, I don't. I didn't see anything. Other... Right. Okay. Mm. There were yeah, some other additional licensing or add-ons, but uh, this is getting complicated as it is. So um, uh, yeah, it's already, it's already <laughs> taken a lot longer than any other, <laughs> yeah. other conversation we've ever had about pricing. So yeah, I I, I completely let you off, Alan. Like it's yeah, it's, it's well done so far. <laughs> Okay, so this this so that's it for Power Automate. Yeah, um, Power BI. So again, with Office three six five, you get a, there is a power normally a Power BI license, a standard one where you can build dashboards and things like that for yourself. So you can do some visualizations for yourself. But if you want to share it, then you got to get Power BI Pro, and that is nine dollars ninety nine. I don't know why they didn't round it up to ten dollars like everything else, but nine dollars ninety nine per user per month. So that's that. There is a Power BI Premium. Now, I couldn't quite work out what's in there. I think there's more around um, AI data modeling and a, and a few bits like that and some more advanced features. That is $20 users, $20 per user per month. Or if you've got a lot of um, dashboarding or data and things like that running, processing, then you can buy capacity. Sam, you might know a little bit more about how capacity works, but this is $4,995 per month. Yeah, so it's a, it's effectively, when you buy capacity, um, you're buying like blended um, CPU and memory for, because Power BI does a lot of caching of the data in memory, if I remember correctly. Um, so what can happen is, is if you have lots of processing that happens and they're large uh, Power BI uh, files, because some of them do, the data models are massive and the data that they crunch is pretty big. 
um you can hit sort of capacity limits and, and things like that with even like you know the power bi premium and, and things like that um there is also one other way to 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 run power bi um is is also the embedded model so what power bi when you buy that capacity unit, that $5,000 a month, right? It allows you to effectively do everything that you can normally do, like things like embed in teams and absolute, you, you get your Power BI environment and it just it, it just seamlessly integrates with, you know, the, the cloud, I'll call it the cloud version of Power BI. What you can do is you can also uh, run what's called Power BI Embedded. And the name is, well, the clue is in the name. It's, it's, it's still um resource driven so you actually license it in uh, azure power bi embedded um and you can effectively say uh, you're you're running your own power bi instance at that point but you can't use any of the niceties of like seeing it you have to embed it yourself basically manually in your own applications so it's it, it's more for um like let's say i build a saas app that does something and i need some sort of dashboarding system to go into it like some sort of bi system I can buy Power BI embedded and then embed it inside of my application. I think it starts at around six to seven hundred dollars a month. I think is the cheapest that you can get away with um, on that, but it is um, like drastically cheaper than five thousand dollars a month, and it allows you to like embed it absolutely everywhere. Um, so that's also another like big big bonus and, and plus with it. Um, yeah, and as well, you can get access to a sandbox sort of environment can't you just to test your dashboarding and stuff before you maybe commit to that uh, embedded costing as well can't you that's correct yeah um and the other part i don't really know because i haven't done it is power bi on-prem as well there's an on-prem server as well i believe i don't know how that sits in the whole pricing matrix and everything like that. yeah i yeah i, I haven't <laughs> i haven't actually deployed that before but that does i think i think that exists i don't know if i'm getting confused yeah it does like. uh, it does it does exist it does. Um, I'm sure it does. Yeah, I've just never actually. I've personally never been involved in its deployment before because, yeah, all the people I've ever done it with have either just paid for Power BI Pro or um, um, just bought embedded, basically. Yeah, I think you still need one of these licenses to be able to like dis- uh, distribute your dashboarding or your report to it. Still. Okay. Um, right. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it for Power BI. I think we've covered everything on that one. So. Virtual agents, so again, not really use this yet, sort of thing. But in effect, it is two hundred dollars um, per month for two thousand sessions. So I'm guessing that is two thousand chats that you have with some, you know, on with the bot. Um, that that's it. So I guess you just keep adding, you know, the sessions. You just keep adding the sessions to it. To do it, so it's not per user. It's per it's per sessions on that environment. So you might have multiple bots or virtual agents and running it. What you can do is uh, it did say for a limited time, but you can add a hundred uh, or oh, sorry, a thousand sessions on top of the 2000 add on for a hundred pounds. So they're in effect giving you the chance to not have to buy 2000 at a time. If you're like increasing your, your yeah your I capacity i guess but your your minimum commit is 2000 sessions and minimum like cost of 200 dollars per month to, to yeah. get started on that ecosystem yeah there, right, okay. there is trials for it and things like that but i think you've got to have that to even start developing i okay. think yeah we've seen that in other areas like with uh defender for iot and things like that where they have this new sort of minimal commit 
but still consumption-based model. It's like a blend of commit versus consumption, right? Because it is still tiered in terms of its its pricing. So it's it is relatively, uh, I would say, fair. But it you know that barrier to entry can be quite high. You know, especially if you want to just have, you know, let's say you're a small business and you've only got like you only have like one or two sessions with that in a month. These 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 pricing models aren't really that nice to the, to those you know to those sorts of situations right no but i guess then you got to consider how much it costs to have one of those built for you i guess and how much it'd be per month as well so there's, well, we're, we're there's that, things like that, that as well yeah and that, <laughs> that conversation is a whole can of worms that we talk about all the time right you know about you know what stuff you know should really cost and what people think they should cost <laughs> if yes. that makes sense so yeah 100 definitely yeah, that's that's it for licensing. As far as I'm aware, there are a few things they didn't add on there because it, yeah, there's too much info here for this anyway. <laughs> but it's okay. Our, our licensing chat only took 15 minutes when it usually <laughs> takes like three or four seconds. So yeah, um, it was it was definitely in depth enough. That's that's for sure. Okay, right. So let me let me try and it was so just before I go into reflections, Alan. Is there anything else that you you think you've missed or you want you know uh, people to really understand and and sort of digest from Power Platform? Uh, there's there there are admin controls for the Power Platform environment. I haven't kind of gone into them, but you can lock down which connectors you can and can't use from a data you know exfiltration perspective. Because I suppose in theory you could get something to synchronize a spreadsheet and send it to to Dropbox things like that. I suppose, but you can turn off connectors or allow certain people to do it. Um, you can have different environments, so you can have one for different departments if you wanted to, so that data or those flows aren't seen by others. But the only other part is um, solutions. And solutions are basically where you can bring flows, power apps, and things like that into one area, and it can be managed. So you can kind of build a, uh, a an application lifecycle for it. So you can have like a developer version, which is unmanaged, and then you can export it and put it into like the production environment within Power Platform if you wanted to manage. So no one can make changes to it. So there's there's a bit of that in there as well. But that's starting to get a bit, bit more into um, uh, a bit more advanced in you know, you know development and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. No. Great. Yeah. And I. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> maintenance and management of these systems. And I think it. You know, because it will be when we when we add um, flexibility for people. Sometimes we do lose control of these systems, and we don't want to get into a scenario where it's like a wild west inside of our organization, right? From a data, because there's data governance and sharing and all of those things to 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 to, to think about. But I think it it those controls are there and in place. And like Alan said, it was already enough. We're not going to go into that depth, <laughs> you know, at, at this point. That could be an episode in in itself, you know. Um. So so yeah. Okay, let me just run through some reflections and we'll let people get on with their, you know, th- their lives. Um, so main points, easy to get apps up and running, uh, intuitive um, experience building, interface building, ways to distribute your apps. And, um, and, and you know, that is, that is empowering users to automate simple and even complex processes in their day-to-day, you know, uh, you know professional lives, right? So that's what we're really here for. We're really here for automation. We're here for um, you know, uh, you know, um, breaking down those repetitive tasks, those boring tasks that people are having to do every day. Uh, potentially making mistakes because we're human and we we all make mistakes, and that's part of part of being human. 
So um, let's let's let you know technology and um, com- AI and brains take over. You know that that part of our mundane uh, existence. Um, licensing is, ugh, I use the word complex. Um, it is a bit of a shame that even though it is an ecosystem of products that are like tightly integrated with each other, there is not one singular be all licenses there, Alan. I don't think there's no one singular like. I can't no, buy my. I can't just go buy E5 and get absolutely everything, right? It's still no. Like, it is all so, add-on even to E5. So, but um, yeah, pa- the yeah. power app license gives you, you know, like I said, power apps and a power automate, I believe. So yeah. that's yeah. The, the closest so, so you, one. So you, you could, if you wanted to really get started, you could get your uh, power apps premium. Is it called power apps? Yeah, you could get your power apps license and get your power automate licensing like bundled in with that. Buy yourself Power BI Premium or Power BI Pro, and you'd have. The vast majority of coverage for you to get started you know as as an individual if that makes sense it then starts to get a bit more complicated if you've got 2000 yeah if you needed the you know premium connectors and things like that yeah absolutely yeah so yeah so you might not even need them yeah yeah exactly so it is a bit of a exploration you know um in the discovery to find that, that out but with all of that said um you do get a cracking amount of you know uh capability right you know that is i think that is you can effectively build kind of anything with it, right? You know, and uh, there's there's um, components and controls and flows and steps and things like that we just haven't even talked about, you know. Um, so, so I think the capability is there, and, there, and I, I would also say that there is a vibrant ecosystem around Power Platform, right? Power Apps, you know, there are a lot of um, power platform specialists out there building you know the gaps in between what microsoft is providing and, and building a community of of knowledge and controls and integrations there which i think is you know also uh, really important and really and really powerful so yeah um thank you ever so much for that alan that was a bit of a beast we're up to a, an hour and 10 or something like that so we're, we're definitely getting there so um what um is our next episode that we're going to be talking about alan so we, I think we promised it about three weeks ago um, after the Sentinel <laughs> one, or I think it may be before that, but um, we're going to, yeah, between us, we're going to talk about Microsoft or XDR and, and Microsoft's view or take on XDR. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. XDR is a really, um, in our security space is a very um, important topic at the moment. And um, I think it's worth having that conversation well we both think it's worth having that conversation now because there is a lot of there's a lot of marketing a lot of buzz around xdr and we want to try and distill what it is that um is actually going on there and there that you know there are some massive tangible benefits to xdr that we're really on board with and, and you know and we are really pushing pushing towards um so and it's um it's going to be our last episode of the season isn't it alan i think it's number 20 isn't it yeah so, so we're going to go out with the xdr bang um there i i there will be another episode after that won't there alan with like a, a wrap-up yeah, episode up. yeah wash up episode so if you're just here for the tech you might not just want to hear us babbling on <laughs> on that wash up call um but yeah so xdr um is going to be the the next episode um, if you've enjoyed this episode, please do consider subscribing if you'd like to listen to the, to more of this sort of content in the future. Um, we have many uh, more topics that we'd like to cover, and your listens and support is what will continue to fuel the podcast going forward. We also have the ability for you to give us feedback. Did you enjoy this episode? 
disagree with our thoughts or whether anything that we missed um, please you know, use the form that's in the show notes um, to give us some feedback we'd love to hear from you thanks very much for your time alan and thanks for everybody that's listening and we'll catch you on the next one yeah thanks everyone speak to you soon bye